Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Melissa Rivers and welcome to Group Text. Stay tuned for a new episode. Welcome to Group Text. Uh, Sabrina, I don't know about you, but I think our next guest, well, pretty much only the greats go by one name, and I'll put him in this category. You know who we're going to talk to? Steve-O. Welcome. Well, thank you. Yeah, welcome. You've always gone only by one name, so your status is legendary. Well, well, thanks. I am... was called Steve-O, um, starting when I was at the University of Miami, well, miserably failing. Yeah, and you you didn't leave there on the best terms. I did not. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't leave on the best terms, but I was quite notable for being uh, drunk at <laughs> parties and doing uh, doing idiotic things. And it got people sort of screaming, Steve O. I mean, that was really the genesis of it that uh, drunk people screaming uh, was, was how, you know, like nobody would ever scream Steve. Not even in sex? During sex, you had nobody scream your name. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and I, I was, you know, very determined to have a career in entertainment on some level. You know, I saw myself as a, a crazy stunt man, and um, I was really, really determined to to be professional. And I remember being highly conflicted about whether it made sense to be to call myself Steve O. Like that, maybe that's kind of goofy. Maybe it's gonna be a disadvantage that people won't take me seriously. But one of the first gigs that I ever had was for, um, it was a a radio station uh, in South Florida that had a talent show. And uh, I I called up and I said, I want to be in your talent show. I'm Steve-O, the alcoholic gymnast. And uh, what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to try to shotgun, you know, where you poke the hole in the beer can. Yeah, I just taught a friend of mine's son how to do that. (laughs) Oh, great. I know. (laughs) What a talent. Yeah, well, I said I wanted to shotgun 12 beers and then do uh, acrobatics, drunk. And uh, they they loved the idea. They said, absolutely. So... At this show, it was my first time on stage in front of a legitimate crowd of 100, you know, 700 people, I believe it was. Holy shit. Yeah, sold out uh, Stewart, like, play, Stewart, Florida Playhouse or something like that. And um, they wove me throughout the show. So there would be an act, and then I'd come on and shotgun two beers, and then another act, you know. And each time I came out to shotgun more beers, the, the crowd seemed really... Uh, 
be won over. And, and they started chanting, Steve, oh, Steve, oh. And that was just drunk on that stage. I thought, you know, nobody's ever going to chant Steve, and that's it. And, and that was in 1996. Well, you have actually kind of an interesting history that I don't think people really know about. You moved all over the world as a kid. How many languages, what, you speak, by 12, you spoke three languages? By, I think, three I spoke three languages. I was born in England um, to a mother who was born in Canada and a father who was born in America. So I'm triple national. I have three valid passports. So. I was going to ask that. Yeah, I'm automatically British and, and I naturalized Canadian and American. So I've got all three passports. Um, my dad was a businessman when... Um, when I was just six months old, uh, the family moved to uh, to Brazil. Rio de Janeiro. Yeah, Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. Because I'm glad I was... knew where you moved better more than you did. But that's okay. <laughs> right. Don't worry about it. Right. Yeah, I spoke my first words in Portuguese because um, my parents, I, I, I gathered, didn't actually spend a whole lot of time with me when I was a baby, <laughs> and it was their live-in maids who. Uh, who inspired my first words, which was why I spoke Portuguese. And, uh, and that, this was because my dad was rather busy heading up um, the... Pepsi-Cola uh, for South correct. America. Yeah, he was the president of Pepsi-Cola in Brazil at that point. And then when we moved to Caracas, Venezuela, when I was two, it was because dad got promoted to uh, like Pepsi-Cola and like all of South America. And then, um, so I spoke fluent Spanish um, in nursery school. And, uh, and then when I was four years old, we moved to Darien, Connecticut. Dad was still working for Pepsi at that point. So you speak, and, so you speak Lockjaw Wasp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh, spoke three languages fluently by the age of three and forgot two of them by the age of five. That's a so, pity. I'm either really smart or really dumb, but kind of, a, I think, a hybrid of both. Now, after your sort of half time in college, should we say half time, quarter time? Um, you yeah, went, it was. <laughs> you went was to pretty... the Ringling Brothers School for clowns? I did, yeah. And, and it was. Um, and then uh, they didn't hire you. What happened? He outshined them all. That must right. have been it. <laughs> I, um, yeah, as I said, I dropped out of the University of Miami, nowhere near halfway through. And uh, I was determined to become this crazy <laughs> stuntman. I was uh, getting in trouble uh, with the law and finding myself in jail and hospitals and homeless, uh, you know, surfing people's couches for a solid three years before I, uh, I moved in with my sister who lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And uh, I was not the ideal house guest. I was, you know, like I'd, with the alcohol and, and the drugs and stuff. And, and uh, I, I didn't really care for working much. And, and I, my hygiene was poor. Uh, I, I just wasn't. Your mother must have been so proud. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't uh, the best. So my sister was a little bit frustrated with me as a house guest. And uh, she, she was a, a journalist working for the Albuquerque Journal newspaper. And it, it actually happened that she was um, 
having a number two in the toilet. Uh, she was pooping while reading a book of trivia that was on the toilet, and she found a, a question which said, what's the only college that has no tuition? And the answer was Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Clown College. They were notable because they wanted equal opportunity for people to run away with the circus. And uh, there, there was no tuition so, so that uh, that could be possible. And she, my sister just thought, wow, this is a great way to get my brother out of my house. <laughs> so, so I came home and she had the number on the, on the uh, kitchen table. And I called and, and I, just, I ended up hitchhiking from Albuquerque to Denver to audition for it. And uh, what was and, your yeah. audition? It was pretty fascinating. The uh, it was it held at the Denver Center for the Performing Arts, and what they did was uh, they held clown college auditions everywhere that the circus went, and the circus was always at two places at the same time because there were two different units of it, and each unit of the circus uh, it did a route of fifty. Uh, American cities and then every year they would switch so there were a total of 100 cities that the circus went to each year and auditions in every one so I show up at the center the Denver Center for the Performing Arts and there's this big kind of an auditorium room and uh, you know there were roughly 60 people I would say that showed up for the audition and when it began these two clowns uh, who are not in makeup they said hey everybody uh, don't be, you know, nervous or uh, intimidated by us. We're just clowns. But the, this camera that we're holding is the eyes and ears of someone who's very important and whose time we don't want to waste. So, so everybody line up against the wall and, uh, and, and, and really quickly, we want you one by one to jump in front of the camera and, and say what your name is and why you want to be a clown. And, um, you know, we're not going to waste this person's time. So these people were sauntering in front of the camera and just saying dumb shit like, uh, like I want to have a big pair of shoes or something. And I remember right. just feeling, I remember just feeling like this was a big deal. You know, it was, uh, and it was, I mean, it was, it was a big deal. And so I jumped in front of the camera and I said, my name's Steve Glover. I'm an aspiring stuntman from Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I just hitchhiked all the way to Denver because I didn't want to spend the rest of my life wondering if I had missed out on the biggest opportunity I ever had. And I did a perfect standing backflip. And uh, I mean, it's perfect. It, you know, it was pretty good. Well, you didn't <laughs> land on your head, so already, right? You, 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 that was already really yeah. good. Perfect's a big word as it comes to acrobatics. Yes. <laughs> you know? you, did but, you stick uh, the landing? I did. I really stuck it, and um, I would typically do better uh, barefoot and not with shoes. Uh -huh. But I nailed, I nailed that one with shoes on, and uh, and then for from the from, for the rest of the audition. It's really interesting. The uh, I remember like the first exercise. They said, "Okay, now we're going to do these exercises, and what we want you to do is kind of spread out around the room, and we're going to start off doing this thing where uh, you just imagine that there's a you know an imaginary line down the middle of your body, and the right half of your body is a lazy cow grazing in a field." And the other half of your body is a wild baboon throwing a temper tantrum, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which, uh, 
really bizarre. And if you think about it, there is like no like effective way to do that. But clearly what the exercise was designed to do was uh, weed out those who were inhibited. Right. <laughs> you know, they Which you wanted... did not fall into that category. Correct. Yeah, they just wanted people who just were ready to let loose and, and uh, you know, be uninhibited. And um, not only did I do that, um, but uh, I placed myself in front of that fucking camera. I mean, this is room we're spread all over the room, but I'm like, the camera's only getting a good view at like one person, and that's me. <laughs> you know? And they had, uh, so things were kind of like that. At the end of the audition, they said, okay, so now you have uh, done this audition, so you are now eligible to receive an application. That was the rule. You had to audition to even get an application to Clown College. The application, they explained, was like eight pages long and it was i mean frankly kind of invasive you know you had to uh you had to answer the question like when was the last time you cried and why you know like Ooh. it was really weird and uh you know like personal on a lot of levels and they said before we give you this uh this application we really want you to think about the fact that what you're applying for means a job living on a, on a train in a little room that measures like six feet by three feet, something absurd. Yeah. You know, something like, like legitimately absurd. And they said that, uh, yeah, we're going to be packed in like sardines on this train. We're going to be like a paid, I think it was like $235 per week. And Free taxes. <laughs> right. And we and we had to work uh, 50 hours out of or sorry, 50 of 52 weeks a year. You got two weeks off and you're just, kind of, you know, and they're like, you're not going to get paid shit. It's just, it was just like it, 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 they said, like, frankly, there is no reason whatsoever to do this unless you are so passionate about wanting to be a circus clown. So don't if you're not, just don't even fucking bother. You know, like they. Right. And they effectively, like, intimidated me out of really. You know? <laughs> I remember, like, I got myself a, a Greyhound bus home. Like, I was like, oh, fuck it. I'm not going to try and fucking find rides like the way I did here. Like, uh, I'm just going to get a Greyhound bus. And, and I and I and I got home and I, and I just didn't go to fill out the application. I was like, uh, kind of, you know, dissuaded. And they um, ended up calling. I got a phone call and they said, "This is Clown College calling, and we want you to know we were really impressed by your audition, <laughs> and we're actually eagerly waiting your your application." And when I got that call, I filled that thing out in no time flat, put together like a portfolio <laughs> of photos and a, a video reel on a VHS tape and like uh, this whole thing. And I uh, ended up ended up not only getting in, but they, they gave me a scholarship. There was no, no tuition. But the, yeah, so I was going to say, to give someone a scholarship when something is free is <laughs> right. kind of a redundancy. Right, there is no tuition, but what they had was a, uh, a a fairly nominal materials fee. It was called because they had these like, you know, world class tailors, like this whole costume department. Right, and 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 they 
based on the personality that you know that you demonstrate as a clown, they customized like they sketched and just put together this clown costume so that if you actually work in the circus, you, this is what they called your agent suit. And um, and uh, it, it came to like two, they called it like two thousand bucks or something. I bet probably. those are very they're very complex costumes. Yeah, probably worth considerably more. And um, and mine was like this punk rock, like you know, kind of. It was pretty cool. Um, but uh, I would never end up wearing it really professionally because you got kicked that, out, or you didn't. I, did, I didn't get kicked out. But um, but I, I made a pretty bad impression. At the end of the uh, the audition process, thirty three clowns uh, made it in, which which when you break it down with all the hundred auditions and you know it, it's it's uh, a lower acceptance rate. It's statistically harder to get into clown college than Harvard. Wow! <laughs> like, it was like <laughs> and. Uh, what it what it worked like for the circus was uh, like a big tax write-off. I think they really put put some money into it, and to call it clown college is is really a little bit silly because it was it was way more like boot camp. The the whole operation right. lasted eight weeks, and then they had like uh, you know a road trip to perform with the uh, international uh, they perform with the cast of Sesame Street at the International Children's Festival. But yeah, only ten. Clowns got contracts, and I was not one of them. You, you recently did a uh, video, My Failed Interventions. Yeah. I, I recall that there was a clown in that video. Is this, did right. that inspire you, your, your time with the circus? I, I, you know, I'm such an attention whore. I love it. Really? People really? watch my videos. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Never would have guessed that. Ever. Right. Um, yeah. So thank you for for watching my videos. The um, what, what that was a little bit further down the road. Um, I didn't get the the, uh, the the contract contract. Yeah, I didn't get the contract. I went back to you know my sisters and who must have been uh, thrilled to have you back. Yeah, I had to borrow twenty bucks to get back to Albuquerque via Greyhound bus from uh, from DC where we ended off. Um, my, and, and my sister, I didn't, uh, yeah, I didn't continue living with her because there was a deal. If I was going to live with my sister, uh, my dad would, would pay my half of the rent provided that I got nothing below a B in college. I went back to the university of New Mexico, but coming back from clown college, I kind of missed the start of the semester. Oops. I wasn't, I wasn't gonna live with my sister by the, the rule of my dad. I moved into a, a, a house with my skateboard buddies and hung this expensive clown costume in the closet. It just sat there depressing me. Just, just taunting just, just, you taunting me. Yeah. It was awful. And uh, I sold, I sold pot. I sold pot, and the bags of pot that I sold did not weigh what they were supposed to weigh. <laughs> Can't imagine why. Can't imagine why. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, and and I, but I, I pressed harder. I kept going with my stunts. I I I, I, uh, I actually got some some sponsorships in the skateboard industry not even for skateboarding because the way that skateboarding worked, um, you know, they'd prep these videos and, and as impressive as the videos were, it became 
very mind numbing, even yeah. for skateboarders, even very for skateboarders to, to watch uh, an, a solid hour of nothing but skateboarding, even numbed the minds of skateboarders. So what they would do is they would break it up by inserting into the skateboard videos really sort of attitude driven, you know, comedy, reckless kind of crazy stunts. And um, I, be, I made a name for myself providing this entertainment to the skateboard industry. And the way that Jackass started was um, that uh, a particularly, particularly uh, naughty um, video series was put out by a skateboard magazine, which was published by pornographer Larry Flint. And... Uh, <laughs> Pretty great. I mean, had- you just really, you know, <laughs> sniffed out the classy the- ways to go. <laughs> yes, right. For the prince of recklessness. Yeah, <laughs> right. And uh, the guy in charge, well, Larry Flint, you bought the magazine, and uh, the guy in charge, the editor in chief, was making these uh, really naughty videos. You know, I mean, that was the the whole thing was that it was like bad. it was just a, it was naughty. It was really bad. There's a, actually a documentary about how naughty and bad it was. It's called Dumb, the story of Big Brother magazine. It's on Hulu. And uh, it, it's upsetting. It was so bad. But um, the thing was that the videos that Big Brother magazine made, which featured me. Of course. They, they, uh, they, they really got on like a cult following. People who weren't skateboarders like found out because they had such crazy stuff in there. And the guy in charge... He, uh, I think we maybe went to high school with Spike Jones, the uh-huh. Oscar, you know, Oscar nominated movie director. Yep. Maybe, maybe won an Oscar by now. I don't know. But, uh, and, and he said, he reached out to Spike Jones and he said, Hey, everybody loves my skate videos, but nobody cares about the skateboarding. And I think if we subtract the skateboard, if we just edit it out, everything that's left over, could be a great TV show. And that was, uh, the brainchild of Jackass. So, you know, we, we've obviously followed you, but there are some very specific questions I've always sure. wanted to ask you. Uh, starting with, why staple your scrotum to your leg? I, I, mean, uh, but, I mean, I just can't. You're clearly <laughs> an intelligent human being. Well, thank you. I've, I've, that's been a guarded secret over the years. But you clearly are. <laughs> clearly. Right. I'm, I'm actually like... I mean, I've, uh, I've done a lot of stupid shit. Not that. But I, in college, I mean, all, I, I have done some absolutely ridiculous things that I think about why. But, I mean, I can, that's, a big, that's a why with a capital W. I can uh, explain this in a way that's really like even pertinent to where the clown story left Please, off. Please tie it together for us. Yeah, this is going to actually staple together very smoothly. But um, so, uh, so the I, I pressed on. I'm selling pot. I've got I'm nothing to wear my clown costume for. But I was at that point I had fallen in love with the idea of being in the circus and I was like hurt that I wasn't. So I put together my videos the way that I did. I always was making my videos and I, I, I mailed them to the clowns who were in the circus. And then look at what I'm doing. I've been getting so rad. I was really stepping it up at that point. You know, now, now I wasn't just jumping off buildings. I was lighting myself on fire on the roof of the buildings and doing simultaneous fire, be- fire breathing acrobatics off the roof of the building. Did you take any <laughs> safety precautions? 
I, well, yeah, I, I, I back at the University of Miami, I, I befriended the the um, platform divers. The, the I meant more about setting yourself on fire. Uh, well, yeah, I was jumping into pools. Okay. <laughs> so, well, that makes it so much better. Yeah, right. But uh, but actually, so there was there was a contingent in the circus. These people who who rightfully pointed out that they were a little bit too talented to uh, to be making this such a pathetic amount of money, and they were looking for a better a better gig. And so they uh, put together a job uh, with Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines for veteran circus clowns to uh, perform on ships, kind of roaming around like sort of freestyle. But they, they but uh, they didn't have enough clowns to fill the to fill the you know <clears throat> positions. And they reached out to me. Uh, I was in Miami at this point. And they said, uh, you know, hey, we, 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 we saw your video while we were in the circus. We think you might be good for this job on cruise ships. And, and I was like, oh, cool. I'm doing this, getting drunk, lighting myself on fire in a nightclub. Like, come, come check it out. And they came into the nightclub and they hired me. So, so, so now I'm a... Now I'm a I, just lost, I just lost an earbud. <laughs> I'm laying yeah. myself on fire at a nightclub. Come check out my act. Yeah, yeah. They, they, like, I got paid in alcohol. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> Bring a fire extinguisher. <laughs> yeah. So, so somehow they decided to, to hire me for the the cruise ship job, and um, I was, uh, you know, the, I did a six month contract, and um, at the end of each week. This uh, we had to, my little clown troupe. We had to type up a report of what you know, what we did on, on that week on the ship. And I was the only clown who had typing skills because this, <laughs> the, because uh, the summer I turned 16, my very successful father said, "Look, now you're 16. You're either getting a job or uh, you're going to secretary school and learning how to type." Because I predict computers are going to become much more prevalent in our society. <laughs> This was this was my dad. Uh, I'm the only clown that could type. <laughs> yeah, they, well, that was what my dad came up. I turned 16 in what was it, uh, 1991. The internet didn't even come out till 96, so dad right. was pretty on point. And uh, so I knew how to type, and I would type up the report. And there was, it was I'd do this this one clown. And while I was typing up the report, he was just sitting there with idle hands. This guy grabs the stapler next to the computer in the cruise ship office and he opens it, he gets my attention, he opens it up and he whacks his arm with it. Like, and, and sure enough, there's a staple in his arm. And I looked at it and I was like, wow, that is so cool. And um, the thing about the cruise ship job, they paid us every other week, as I recall, and in cash and $100 Never good. bills. Yeah, they uh, they for some reason they they paid us in cash every other week, and 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 I earned like six hundred and twenty five bucks per week. I was rolling in it. I didn't even live in large. The rent. Yeah, and uh, so when I got paid the next time, uh, I I filmed a, a bit in that same office with that same stapler, which I called the thousand dollar man, and I and that was uh, across my arms, across my chest. I t I stapled. 10 $100 bills, you know, as this, this clown showed me. And then, uh, you know, I, I that got had to get, hurt. It wasn't too bad. It, it wasn't, it, I mean, yeah, I didn't feel good, but it was, uh, you know, tolerable. The, 
you know, there, there's always uh, risk and reward. Yeah. You know, like sort of pro cons, and this one, this one landed right in the sweet spot, and um, the, literally. The, yeah. <laughs> we yeah. we once did a, a a promo for the my mom and I for the red carpet and part of it was I had to we were rolling out a carpet and part of it was I had to literally fall over the carpet and I spent an entire day landing in a gown and heels on a mattress. So That's I do great. understand the risk reward. Sure. Didn't sure. feel so good. It didn't feel so good but like the fifth or sixth take. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um and that, that that's what you got to do. You gotta, I also you had to be do. rolled up in a carpet. Again, not the most comfortable <laughs> thing in the world. Yeah. You got to be I, dedicated I, to the cause. Dedicated I, to I, your craft. I absolutely love that. And, 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 and I think that behind the scenes, that's been kind of like the story of, of how, how my stuff has worked. You know, like. You I know, still like, don't understand the reward, again, of stapling your scrotum to your leg. Well, that I, one's easy. That, that, that one's really please easy. Please enlighten and, us. And, and you see, after my six-month contract, the, uh, the, the, there was a clown mutiny. The rest of my, they went to the, the clown brass <laughs> and and, uh, and they said, "Look, if Steve-O comes back for another contract, we all quit." There were four of us. There. So the other, the, the other three uh, had had yeah, enough they, of you. They were jealous, yeah. Steve. Jealous. But, I mean, I was disrespectful of them. I was an alcoholic, and I had my own little skill set that was very uh, incongruent effective. with theirs. My skill set was like uh, it. it, it it, it was pretty undeniable, and and uh, I, I think I was uh, I, I was overly confident in uh, in how I performed for the the passengers on the ship. In any case, I was out of a job, and uh, the the clown brass, the one guy, he said he told me about. It. He said they, they're not even going to tell you, you know, but I'm telling you because you're going to be have no. You know, no your job. contracts, your contract's not going to be renewed. And so it's time for you to start calling up your skateboard buddies. And at this point, that guy, you know, with the taking the video, the, the skateboarding out, they, they had the, this jackass pilot lined up. And I, I reached out to him trying to get in the magazine. And he was like, oh, and I was like, oh, you see, I'm walking on stilts on this cruise ship all the time, terrified that I'm going to fall over. So that's what I want to do. But rather than just fall over while I'm walking on stilts, I want to light my whole stilt costume on fire and have a unicyclist ride through the stilts while a skateboarder jumps over my head through a fireball I'm dropping, blowing at him. It's a real production. And the guy said, I like it. And uh, I ended up shooting that for the Jackass pilot. Um, then when, the, when Jackass got picked up, one of the first bits that I suggested was, let's staple the letters of Jackass across my butt cheeks. Because <laughs> clearly, if you're going to do something, it's funnier if you do it to your butt. Always. That or getting kicked. That and the other thing, one of the biggest searches always on, uh, you, on, uh, online is videos of people getting kicked in the nuts. Always. Yeah, it's, it's always, always a crowd a pleaser. It's always a hit. It never gets old. Never. And uh, yeah, and so it was a natural progression. And when Jackass came out, I launched uh, uh, this this crazy live tour called the Don't Try This at Home Tour, where I got drunk on stage and and effectively ran the crowd through what wasn't allowed on TV by performing it on you know like with the bodily fluids, and I would you know make sure I was bleeding and barfing and peeing, and it was pretty pretty lowbrow. Did you ever invite <laughs> your parents to a performance? 
Um, to the old Don't Try This At Home tour, I don't think so. But um, but uh, my family makes it out to, to my each, you know, uh, new iteration of my comedy tour. And they're actually pretty proud. <laughs> but uh, but one night, so it was part like a stapling we did, did on TV, but I would staple bras and panties all over from the audience. It was kind of kind of fun. But one night they didn't have an office stapler, they only had a staple gun. And I was like, oh, I was kind of scared, but I said, screw it, I'll go for it. And then once I was doing the staple gun, I just thought, well, if I staple my ball sack to my leg, that, I, I just knew. That won't that, end up on the cutting room floor. Like, I just knew it was gonna be a hit. And, and, and I, I, was, I was well versed in what wasn't allowed on TV, so I was always working on my Too Hot for TV DVD series. And this was like, you know, dick and balls out, staple the nutsack to my leg. That's perfect. You can't show it on MTV, and so it's worth more to me. Right. And that was the genesis of that. And, and, and I, you know, to this day, like, the answer to the question why is answered by the fact that you asked it in the first place. Right. Did, did you ever have a stunt that you regretted? Um, yeah, with stunts, not so much, because the worse it goes, like, kind of the, the more memorable it is. And again, I'm just an attention whore. That's, like, kind of all there is. But there was one that uh, I ended up with 11 screws and a plate holding my ankle together, and that was really not necessarily worth it. What was it? I was, uh, I built this wooden outhouse, this, uh, like porta potty replica. Mm -hmm. I would have used a porta potty, but by making it wood, I felt it would smash apart more fantastically when the car crashed through it while I was standing on the roof jumping a skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I, I, mean, I, I heard about that. I heard about it. And I wondered if that were in your top do, five. Do you keep a yeah. pad next to your bed and think, Oh, wake up in the middle of the night. Like I have ideas. Do you like? Oh, I've got the. I've got it now, and start writing it down. I've actually gotten um, ideas and dreams. And one, one night when we were um, when we were filming, uh, or actually we weren't even filming yet. We were just getting ready to start filming the third Jackass film. And I had a dream in which I was on the movie set, and the director, who's that same guy who was in charge of that skateboard magazine. Uh, had a Sharpie marker and he was drawing onto my face a dartboard, you know. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> How the could bullseye. this possibly go wrong? <laughs> right. <laughs> and it was like, that was the implication in the dream was that like my nose was the bullseye and they were going to throw darts at my face. And I remember waking up like really anxious, like uncomfortable and just thinking like, God, that sounds odd. That just seems like such a terrible idea, but it's so good. <laughs> and I went rushing into the office that day and, um, Johnny Knoxville was the, the first guy I told the idea to, and he said, Mr. O, I applaud your commitment, but that's dark even for us. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I wouldn't settle for that <clears throat> until, the, until the director, who's, who's more of the, like a bad guy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I waited until he should, I told him the idea, and he said, I like it. <laughs> he said, I like the darts at your face, but uh, but the problem is that if anything is too uh, imitatable, um, right? 
then then we run into an issue of uh, with liability. Even though the the movie's going to be rated R, you got to be a little bit careful about making sure it's not too easy to copy. And so at this point, we're all in the room together, and Knoxville says, "Well, I have uh, been looking for an idea for this guy from the Howard Stern show called Will the Farter, <laughs> who." He like sucks air into his butt and farts on command. And the idea was for him to, uh, to, to hold a blow dart gun up to his butthole and then fart shooting darts out, which is called, uh, we called it fart darts. <laughs> and, a, very, um, a very creative name. Right. And fart darts <laughs> is not imitatable. Are you right. sure? It, it, it's, yeah, it, it, they, they were confident. So they made that the first thing we shot for the production of Jackass 3D. The the guy shot darts out of his asshole into my face. <laughs> I understand why there's such bro love for you. I get it now. You are charming, unique, and, lo- and lovely, and I could literally talk to you all day. If I ever open up my house again, you have to come to like a dinner party. I would love it. I am actually walking away from this interview with an enormous crush on you, Steve-O. Me too. (laughs) 